Some of you may remember the professional baseball player, uh, Brett Butler, who was drafted in the early 80s by the Atlanta Braves and spent the next uh, nearly two decades playing for five different uh, major league teams. He was a really good hitter, usually a leadoff hitter, played center field and made the all-star team, the all-star game. And in the late 80s, he was with the San Francisco Giants and was very, very popular, uh, just uh, loved by the fans. And, and, and he was reaching the pinnacle of his career when in 1990, he became a free agent. The best contract was offered to him by the Giants' hated rivals, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And so he signed with the Dodgers because they were offering him the most money. Well, that season, it was the first time the Dodgers, his new team, were playing in San Francisco, his old team, and it's his first game back in that stadium. And when the players were being introduced before the game, the San Francisco Giant fans gave Brett Butler a standing ovation. I mean, he was very loved. They really liked him, and they, they thought he still liked them and had, you know, he was a giant in his heart, and they were welcoming him back, this former player that just had been a great player, and they loved him. So they're, they're cheering and, and applauding, and, and it's really raucous welcoming him back. And, and suddenly in the middle of that, Brett Butler does something that shocks them. He walks over to his new manager, the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Tommy Lasorda. And he gives Lasorda a big hug. And suddenly, all of those cheers turn to loud boos. After the game, the media ask him why he did it. And his answer was, it turned a page in my career. I'm an L.A. Dodger now. I'm not a giant. That just kind of solidified it. I wanted them to know I'm a Dodger. Have you hugged Jesus in front of all your extended family members and relatives so that they know you're on his team and no other team? Have you hugged Jesus in front of all your co-workers so that they know you go to church and that you're a follower of Christ? Have you identified with him? Have you hugged him and said, I'm on this team and I don't want there to be any doubt. I don't want there to be any confusion. I don't want there to be any question about whose team I'm on. I'm hugging Jesus in front of you. Have you hugged Jesus in front of your classmates? You middle school students, high school students, college students. people on your team, on your squad, on the, that are part of the group you hang with? Have you hugged Jesus in front of them so that all of those classmates know you love the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? You hug him, you love him, and they know that. Have you hugged Jesus in front of your neighbors? When they have that neighborhood party at the 4th of July or on Labor Day and there's the keg of beer over here, have you hugged Jesus in front of your neighbors and, and they know what you stand for and, and to whom you belong? Have you hugged Jesus? Have you said, I, I'm not part of that world anymore. This is my world. I'm not part of that crowd anymore. This is my crowd. This is who I am. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a disciple of Christ. Have you hugged Jesus in front of this world? This world is sometimes a place that's 
not very accommodating to Jesus. Sometimes this world doesn't think much of some of the things Jesus said. Sometimes this world doesn't want you to hug Jesus in front of them, but have you said, I love him, I love him, and he loves me, and I'm not ashamed of it. And even if you don't get it, even if you don't understand it, even if you don't like it, I'm hugging Jesus. This is who I am. I've taken off that uniform, and this is the uniform I'm wearing. I belong to Team Jesus. Have you hugged Jesus in this world? You know what Jesus said about it? Look in chapter 10 with me at verses 32 and 33. He said, everyone who confesses me, acknowledges me, everyone who hugs me before men in front of others, I will also confess him. I will acknowledge him. I will hug him in front of my father, in front of the angels in heaven. But every person who denies me, refuses to acknowledge me, doesn't choose to hug me in this world. When you stand before my Father and the angels in heaven, I'm not going to hug you. I'm not going to acknowledge you. I'm not going to confess you. In fact, I'm going to pull back and deny you, have nothing to do with you. Everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess before the Father in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I will deny him before the Father who is in heaven. Wow. Talk about a big statement. Absolutely no ambiguity. You don't need me to explain it a whole lot because you get it, right? It's pretty clear what he's saying. You confess me here, I'll confess you there. You refuse to confess me, embrace me, you deny me here, that's what I'm going to do to you there. Pretty clear. Pretty big statement. Hard to miss what he's saying. Now, does this mean if there's one instance in your life or maybe a couple of instances, you you look back and You can remember a time at work, something was said, something was done, and in that moment you felt a little bit embarrassed to be a Christian and and, and you just kind of pulled back and and hid and didn't own who you were. Does this mean if you're a teenager or a college student and you were at a party sometime in the past on a Friday night or a Saturday night and things were going on and, 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 and... in that moment, you were intimidated, you were afraid, you were ashamed, and, and, and you wouldn't step up and hug Jesus and, and be true to who you really are. And so in that moment, you kind of pulled back and denied Christ in you. Does this mean if you've ever had a moment like that, an experience like that, that you're going to hell and none heaven? That's not what he's saying. You remember Peter, the night Jesus was on trial? People in the crowd said, aren't you one of his followers? And Peter did what? (laughs) No, I'm not. Denied Jesus how many times? 
three times. But, but here's, here's the difference. What did Peter do after that, that evening? What, what did Peter do after that experience? He felt ashamed of himself. He felt horrible. He went out and he repented of his sin for denying Jesus. A few weeks later, he would stand in front of a crowd of thousands and publicly hug Jesus. He'd stand in front of that huge crowd and say to them, this Jesus you crucified is the only one who can save you from your sin. You need to repent of your sin, believe in him, and receive his forgiveness. He stood there and told them about the grace of God. He stood there and he owned Jesus. He said, this is who I am and is who you can be. He hugged him. Jesus is saying in this passage, is it cannot be the pattern of your life. It cannot be the pattern in your life of pulling back and hiding. It cannot be the pattern in your life of being ashamed and denying if you belong to him and are going to heaven because if you belong to him, that won't be your pattern. You may have had those instances, but it will not be your lifestyle. It means there will come that moment in your life when you take your stand you say, this is the uniform I'm wearing. This is the team to which I belong. This is where I stand. This is who I am. You must have that moment in your life when you say, this is me. And I belong to him and I hug him. Have you had that moment? Have you had that moment with your family? Your friends, your classmates, your co-workers, your neighbors. Have you had that moment when you're in a strange place, nobody knows you, and you could do whatever you want because nobody knows you and they wouldn't know what you're doing. Because no one who knows you is there in that moment except Jesus and he knows you and he knows what you do. Have you hugged him? Are you confessing him, acknowledging him? Or are you pulling back and saying, Don't, no, 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 not in public. No, 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 not in public. So how do you hug Jesus in public? How do you confess him? How do you, how do you acknowledge Jesus in public? One way is with your life. Look in Matthew chapter 10 at verses 38 and 39. Jesus said, He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not what? It's not worthy of me. Jesus said, if you want to be worthy of me, you have to pick up your cross, that place of self-denial, that place of self-crucifixion, and attach yourself to him. Follow him. 
In verse 39, because the one who finds his life, who holds on to it and stays in control of it, will in the end lose it. But the one who has lost his life, taking his hands off and let go of it and said, Jesus, it's yours, for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his kingdom, is the very one who will find it. How do you, how do you, how do you hug Jesus in public, confess him with your life, with how you live? You, it's, it's just obvious that you're following him. By the, the decisions you make, the choices you make, by your values and your morality, your priorities and how you approach life, how you see the world. It's just, it's just clear to people you're following him. Through the easy times and difficult times, you, you follow him in the crowds that cheer you on and the crowds that boo you. It's your lifestyle. When people look at you and how you live, they, it's just obvious you're following Christ. The book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible tells us there was a group of people who professed to know God, said it with their mouth, but their deeds, their lives said something different. You see, no, no one's going to heaven just because you say some magical words. Your life has to match the words. It's not simply enough to say you're following Christ. Your life has to demonstrate you're following Christ. One of the ways you, one of the ways you confess Jesus in public is by how you live, by what you do, the decisions you made. Your, your deeds have to, have to match what you're saying about your relationship with God. That's, a, that's one way of confessing Jesus, of hugging Jesus. Another way is with your lips, with your words. Look at verse 27 in Matthew 10. He said, what I tell you, now notice this. He said, what I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. Jesus said, what, what you hear me whispering in your ear, proclaim on the housetop. When you, when you read the word of God alone at home in the evening and early morning, don't be ashamed of it. Own his truth, own his word in this world. Proclaim it from the housetop, he says. We, we, we acknowledge Jesus, we hug him, not just with how we live, but with our very words, our acknowledging him with our mouths. Romans 10, 9 that Will mentioned a few moments ago. If you confess with your mouth, how do you confess something with your mouth? You say it. You speak it. Your words. And what is it we're to confess with our words? That Jesus is what? Lord, he's my manager. He's my boss. He's my master. He's my king. He's my Lord. He's my life with my words. And believe in your heart. He said, if you do that, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be what? Saved. You see, there has to be agreement between your heart and your mouth. There has to be agreement between your heart, your mouth, and your lifestyle. 
No one, no one is saved. No one goes to heaven simply because they say some words. No, no one is saved. No one goes to heaven simply because they live a good lifestyle. You have to have it in here. It's a genuine faith. It's a genuine belief. It's a genuine dependence on Jesus Christ for your forgiveness and for your salvation. And brothers and sisters, here's the thing. If you've got the real thing in here, it's going to show up in your words and in your deeds. So you, you can fake the words and not have it in here. You, you, you can be a pretty good person and not have it in here. But you can't have the real thing in here. You, you, can't have the re- you cannot have the real thing in your heart and it not come out in your mouth and in your life. Because when your heart is changed, when Jesus has your heart in his hands, you become a new person. Can there be a moment like Peter when you trip and fall? Yes. But you'll repent and you'll get up and you will embrace Jesus. It won't be the pattern of your life to keep falling down pulling away and denying him with your lips as well as with your life. Do you remember the Samaritan woman? Jesus had a conversation with her at a a well. She'd, She'd lived a pretty hard life. She'd been married several times, now living with a man to whom she wasn't married. And during that conversation, she, she meets Jesus. She gets to know Jesus. She, she comes to believe in Jesus, and she's changed. And what does she do after that? She runs into the village and tells everybody about Jesus. She publicly hugged him. When you meet him, you want to hug him. When you meet them, you want your relatives and your neighbors and your co-workers and your friends and your classmates to know about it. Another way you confess Jesus, you hug Jesus publicly, is by being baptized. As a new believer, that's the first official thing you do to identify with Christ and acknowledge him. You remember Peter who denied him and then got up and hugged him? When Peter stood before that crowd of thousands preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, at the end of it he gave them an opportunity to repent of their sins and commit their lives to Christ, and many of them did. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 2, those who had received his word, those who heard the gospel, those who heard what Peter preached that day, what did they do? They received it, they believed it, and they were baptized. And it was about 3,000 of them. So those those are just some of the ways we confess Jesus. We hug him in public. But let me wrap this up by talking about some of the reasons you need to do that. I mean, the most obvious one is, is Jesus said you have to. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father, the angels in heaven. If you deny me, you choose not to hug me, then that's what I'm going to choose in relation to you when you stand before the Father and the angels on judgment day. That by itself is enough reason. You have to if you want to go to heaven. But I want to give you some more reasons in addition to that. 
One is hugging Jesus publicly, identifying with him publicly is, is a sign that you belong to him. Look in chapter 10 of Matthew again at verses 24 and 25. Jesus says a disciple is not above his teacher. All of us are disciples of Jesus if we're Christians. It means we're a student. We're a learner. We follow him. And, and what we learn from him as he teaches us, we obey, we do, and we become like him. We learn from him. We follow him. And he says, as disciples, we are not above him, our teacher. Verse 25, it is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher. And then at the end of verse 25, he says, if they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, remember some of Jesus' critics said he was of the devil, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Do you know what Jesus is saying? The world is going to treat you the way it treated me. And when the world treats you the same way it did Jesus, it means you're identifying with him because you're, no, you're not greater than Jesus. Jesus had some people who cheered him and believed him. You will have people who will encourage you and be excited about you following Christ. Jesus had people who said he was crazy and opposed him and even crucified him. You will have people who won't get you, won't understand you, won't like you, won't want to be your friend anymore, may do something to hurt you. And Jesus said, they did it to me, they'll do it to you. And, and, and you just got to understand that. That's one of the ways you identify with Christ because, brothers and sisters, if you think that you can live for Christ and everyone like you, it doesn't work. You know what the truth is? Even if you don't live for Jesus, everyone's not going to like you. Right? So get over it. It's more important that Jesus like you and that you like yourself. Because you're saying, this is my team, and, 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 and you're not ashamed. Because it's a, it's a hard thing to go through life being ashamed of who you really want to be. It's, it's a hard thing to go through life saying, I really want to be this, but because of everybody else, I'm so intimidated, and, I, and I'm so afraid, and I'm, I'm so embarrassed, I'm going to live the way I don't really want to live. That's a horrible way to approach life. There's no happiness in that. There's no satisfaction in that. There's no contentment in that. Another reason to confess Jesus is because in the end, you will be proven right. Look at verse 26 in Matthew 10. Jesus said, don't fear them. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't have anxiety over how people treat you or what they think about you. For there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, nothing hidden that will not be known. Jesus said, there's nothing anybody will ever do to you that one day God's not going to declare to the whole universe. You have all these people in this world who 
critical of your faith, critical of your lifestyle because you're following Christ. And they put you down and they say hurtful things. You go off to college and you have some professor say some things to almost gleefully tear down your belief in Jesus. You have some friend who jeers you by saying, ah, you think you're better than me now, don't you? Somebody laughs and says, you're a holy roller. My kids heard things like God's child. And Jesus is saying a day is coming when those who speak those kind of words and do those kind of things to his kids are going to stand in front of the whole universe. And God's going to declare, God's going to reveal what they did in secret to you. He's going to make it known to everybody as he says to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Nothing will be done that will not be revealed on that day. And when they laugh at you and say, oh, to believe in Jesus the way you do is crazy, to believe in that moral decision is crazy, the day's coming when God's going to prove that you were right the whole time. And that's why you need to hug them in the here and now. Another reason is because the war, listen to this. Now, now listen, listen closely. The worst thing they can do to you is send your soul to heaven. <laughs> That's the worst thing they can do to you. That sounds a whole lot better than saying kill you, doesn't it? <laughs> but when, 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 when some radical Muslim martyrs a follower of Jesus Christ, it's evil, it's sinful. It's hateful, but the follower of Christ, his soul's in heaven. He wins. In verse 28, Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You, you, you need to have more reverence and fear for God who is able to send people to hell than you do of anybody who laughs at you. And another reason is God's paying close attention to everything we do. In verses 29 and following, I love this passage. Jesus said, Are not two sparrows, two birds sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. God, God sees what happens even to those beautiful birds. And then he says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I've got a smaller number than I used to. That's what stood out to me on that CNN broadcast the other night when that camera got the back of my head and I saw that bald spot. But see, God sees everything going on in our lives. He knows us. 
He's paying attention. He says, so don't be afraid because you are more valuable. You are worth so much more than all the other things in this world that people think are so important. You're you're more valuable than any of those things to God. Years ago, I was asked to um, conduct the funeral of a man I really didn't know, didn't know his family to speak of. He had uh, been shot, he'd been killed. And they, they needed someone to do the funeral, so I agreed to do it. And I was trying to just learn some things about the man that I could, you know, share during the service, but I couldn't find anybody who, you know, knew anything about his relationship with God. Apparently he had never made a profession of faith of any kind. He wasn't a member of a, a church or anything. There was, you know, I, I was just searching for something, and I, I was speaking to the funeral director. And, and he, didn't, he, he, he couldn't really help me, but then he, he made a statement that I thought was so strange. He said, but it's all right. He was in the Bible anyway. I still don't have a clue what he meant by that because it doesn't make any sense. He was still in the Bible anyway. But the point is, people like to think that even though you haven't publicly acknowledged Jesus, you haven't embraced him, you haven't hugged him, you haven't owned him, you haven't said, this is my team, this is who I am, by your lifestyle and your words, that if you just a, a good guy, it'll be okay. You're in the Bible. Somehow you make it. It's okay. But that's not what Jesus said, is it? Jesus said, if you want to walk the golden streets of glory, you have to hug me. If you want the pearly gates to open, you have to confess him. If you want to live forever with him, you have to live down here with him. He's very clear about it. When the Titanic sank in 1912 and more than 1,500 people died, in the office of the company that owned the ship, On the wall was a large board divided into two columns. At the top of one column, the word saved. At the top of the other column, the word lost. And beneath, the names of those who had been rescued and the much larger list of people who had drowned. There was no middle column There was no other option. They either sank to the bottom of the North Atlantic in death or were rescued by a lifeboat, saved or lost. And so it is with every human being when it comes to eternity, when it comes to heaven and hell. Forgiveness or still being in their sin, having eternal life or eternal suffering. 
confessing Jesus, denying Jesus, hugging Jesus, not hugging Jesus, acknowledging him, not acknowledging him with their life, with their lips, or not doing it. There's no other column. Jesus has a book in heaven. And in it are the names of those who have hugged him, acknowledged him, confessed him. Is your name in that book? The Bible tells us in Revelation on the judgment day, Jesus will open the book. Will your name be there? Only if you hug him. Only if you acknowledge him. Only if you give yourself to him. And only those names will be spoken in heaven. And so I'll bring us back to where we started. Have you hugged Jesus? If not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to hug him right now.